What's up, everybody? We are back. Welcome to Real Chronicles brought to you by Realtalking.com. I am your host, David. I am joined with today, Leo. Hey, good morning, man. It's just me here with my uh, Guatemalaness. Your what? My Guatemalaness. My natural heat. (laughs) Ryan? I got nothing. I can't follow that. (laughs) (laughs) And because it's daylight savings time. And she is like a lunar, ecl- a solar eclipse, a lunar eclipse. What do they call it? Uh, What's the rarest one of them all? <laughs> Isn't I guess, it? Uh, wouldn't I a solar lunar. eclipse be the same thing essentially? Sure. So well, the solar is the sun, so lunar is the moon, right? There you go. So the rarest guest appearance because she is our favorite guest star. Jen is back for one night only. I'm back, guys. Ooh, I don't know. I might be back, back next week. What's next week's topic? You we'll find out at the end of the episode. You won't, you won't be on next week, I guarantee it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so t- Jen is back because we are covering one of our favorite comedies of all time, the 25th anniversary of The Birdcage. Uh, comedic masterclass. I can't wait to talk about it. But before we get into that, let's get into the news of the week. Um, somber news, fellas. We have a new number one box office king. This is ridiculous. Yeah, so what's up with that? Because I just saw that post. What was it, yesterday, Saturday? Or um, yesterday. We're yeah, recording it was yesterday. Sunday, but I saw it and I was like, when the hell did. Can I say it? Yeah, go ahead. When the hell did Avatar come back to theaters this weekend, to earn this money? This weekend. Just this yeah. month. Just this, and who is going out Ch- to see Avatar it, when it, it's on Disney Plus? Every really, it's not on Disney Plus, is it? It's not on Disney Plus. It was. That's how I watched it when we came back last oh, December. Okay. We went to Disney World and we went to Avatar Land and I had never seen the movie. So Pandora. obviously like Pandora. All right. Avatar Land. <laughs> and so I I went on the rides and, you know, it looked cool enough. But boy, that and then I watched the movie later when we got home, like I guess in January by the time. And it was on Disney Plus and long, long Just movie. Be nice. You're being nice. It really wasn't like horrible, but there were definitely a lot okay. of parts that you could have cut out Ooh. that I think like, would have still fit the narrative fine. Like the whole movie. <laughs> like a good chunk of the so, movie. So like like I've said on this before, like I don't think the movie is bad. And I, I think just... the message is is very important. Well it's Pocahontas essentially. Well what no, the, movie the, is. the environmental message well, yeah. and the impact of you know the movie's just extremely overrated but yeah so it released in china it re-released in china this weekend only in china i believe so yeah and it made so that's where it made all the money and it made it on friday it made eight million on friday so now avatar is the box office king i've seen a lot of uh social media has been cray cray with this whole thing i've had i've had little debates with people on here a lot of people are angry right so I know Leo and Ryan have some <laughs> thoughts, but I'm go- I'm going to be devil's advocate for once, and I'm never devil's advocate. So I think this is temporary because I think Avengers will have another re-release and it will take the crown once again. So that's, it's, that's the one point. The second point I want to make is that I think going forward, there is no movie as long as I think that we're alive – 
that's going to be making anywhere near what Avengers and Avatar made because the box office is just never going to go back to the way it was with streaming and all that fun stuff. So I think these two are going to battle it out for the rest of time as to see who number one is with a bunch of re-releases. My other point before now I, I hand it over to, to Leo, um, let's not forget that Avengers broke the record originally on a re-release. And people are bitching about it on social media and forget to that little. And I argue, I was debating with someone on Real Talk Instagram saying Avengers did it in one take. I'm like, no, they didn't. Uh, it was out of theaters and it came back in late June with quote unquote extended scenes. And that's how they broke the record. So Avengers did do it on a re-release. So to Avatar do it on a re-release, let, you know, playing devil's advocate, they're just following suit to what Avengers did. Thoughts, Leo? Oh, man. Yeah. When I saw the article, Dave, I was like, what is this <laughs> um, <laughs> on, on the on the pros? Right. Pros. The reason China did it and the message behind it is the, the movie theater business has potential to make a strong comeback. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's, a, that's an awesome, awesome thing. Um, you saw them re-release a movie. It's not new. So bringing moviegoers back to the theaters was the main thing there. It worked. Yep. Clearly. Um, I love that. I love that part of it. I think the part of it that I was like, not like this. <laughs> I, no, it, it's cool with the Avengers being like dethroned, right? That's totally fine. That's gonna. It, it might happen with Star Wars. It might happen with some other franchise down the line. But like to get taken out like this, <laughs> like in the middle of COVID, I'm like, oh, it's like it just uh, it hurt. It hurt. But uh, I'm not going to start like a, a, a rant online about it. Like, like you said, it's going to be like a back and forth until an, until Star Wars makes a, makes a play for it as well. But uh, it was just one of those like, damn, man, like this, this is the way it goes down like this. Ryan, what do you think? Can we like get a hashtag to get uh, Endgame back in theater so we can just get this erased as soon as possible? Um, I'll pay a ticket. I might not go, but I'll pay a ticket just to get it back in uh, number one. <laughs> you know what the you know what the problem is? I don't think I I really have to double check, but I think China also the movie did really well. Avengers. Mm-hmm. So if they do a re-release in China, this literally I would actually love it. Like next week Avengers comes out and they just take it right back and then Avatar <laughs> takes it the week. We just go back and forth for the rest of the year. I think it would be actually very interesting to see how who who ends up at the end of the day because yeah. Um like I mentioned, I don't think any th- movie is ever going to touch what Avengers and Avatar did because Oh, Dave, who's yes. number 3 on this list? Uh um Force Awakens. Because I wonder if, like, if you can, like, manipulate everything and just, like, only release Force Awakens for, like, like the next no, month I'm or so. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Force Awakens is fourth. Titanic is three. Titanic. Oh, Titan- but Titanic is too far back. It, do we not want a re-release of Titanic? No. 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 I don't. I, I don't. mean. You talk about long movies. I don't, I don't need that. I don't, I don't need you. But it's Leo's face. I will say, I, re- I rewatched oh, Titanic this year. And Titanic is a very good movie. Like I shit on it because I think LA Confidential is better, but Titanic is a really good movie. It they make shit work in that movie that should not work. Essentially, it's a rom com. Essentially, yeah. Essentially, yeah. It's not a romantic comedy. I mean, the choices she makes are very comedic. <laughs> I guess. But and Leo. You like DiCaprio Leo. or me? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that that's the news for Avatar and Avengers. Next up, uh, I think this is actually very funny. Uh, Justice League 
accidentally debuts on HBO Max when folks tried to uh, watch Tom and Jerry. The the funny the, the funniest thing about that is that they only got an hour and forty minutes of it. So even if they did watch an hour and forty minutes, they still had like six hours to go. So um, I don't know if any comments on that, Leo. It, it's 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 like the most DC Snyder thing that a DC Snyder thing can happen. So I, whatever, it's, it's whatever. Yeah, Ryan. <laughs> Fucking Snyder. <laughs> any thoughts, Jen? Uh I think it's just. You know, whoever messed up on that tech glitch is probably out of a job now. But um, but I think it just shows them, like, what they can't do in the future. Yeah. Like, not to have those kind of mistakes. And it's a unique mistake to have now, right? Because we've this is a new era in home entertainment. So um, Agreed. they'll figure it out. And um, oh, I can report that my screener arrived this morning. Oh, so no. so it, I will be watching oh, it. I will be watching you. it today. And in the in the words of Ray Stans, see you on this. Uh, in the words of uh, actually uh, Peter Venkman, see you on the other side, Ray. Oh, I'm sorry, Jenny. I'm more. I'm sorry for Jenny. Well, Jenny, Jenny no, Jenny's gonna sit with <laughs> me, but she's not gonna pay attention. She's only gonna pay attention when Wonder Woman comes out, and then she's like, I don't know. I actually don't know what comment she's gonna have. <laughs> I honestly like. I don't even know how I feel. I feel like. It's funny, you just Jenny and I were added talk- to this movie. Jenny but and I it's were supposed to just be like I watched the movie once and it- I was good with it. We were talking about and- it a lot yesterday in the car, and um- Jenny's like, "Oh, that movie was two and a half hours." I'm like, "No, the original Justice League was only like an hour and forty five minutes." So, like, he so added that- so no. much shit. Actually, yeah. no. So Snyder and in my press on the screener, they gave me a press kit, yes. and I actually read it. I don't know why I decided to read this, you but. Should. They actually um, stated that Snyder only shot one new scene for this cut, so everything else is just uh, footage he cut. had. Footage that, that was, was originally cut. cut. Yeah, so the only new scene in this movie is the Joker scene. Interesting. So, yep. So, yeah. So we'll see what happens with that. Next bit of news is more somber news in terms of another sequel that's coming that Jenny and I are probably going to be she's going to be upset with me about. Uh, so Michael B. Jordan is going to direct Creed three. Now yeah. I'm going to say that Creed ended Creed two ended perfectly, and I feel like it ended the franchise perfectly. Yeah, we don't need it. So I'm a little bummed about this. Leo, what do you think? Yeah, I was surprised. Um, I mean, I, I, I kudos to Michael B. Jordan to make his debut. Right, mm-hmm. I'm I'm excited to see this part of his career and see how he does. I just wish he would use a different franchise to totally do it. Totally agree. <laughs> totally agree. Yeah. What about you, Ray? Yeah. I'm not for this, but I'm going to see it anyway. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> I, I suspect Clubber Lang's son will be the villain in this one. Um, and then last two <laughs> last two bits of news. Um, we talked about this a lot over the last like year, and I'm actually glad Jenny's on this one for me to, to make this bit of news uh, on the podcast. So Kathleen Kennedy's going to remain Lucasfilm president after all the – I would say what two years, guys? Was it been two yeah. years? Two years of like back and forth. Is she going to get fired? Is Kevin Feige going to take over? Um, I don't think I, you should. I think no. Well, it's official because She's I feel not... like you shouldn't have control of two franchises in a way. I think it's Kath- too much work. I think either that, and I I think people thought Dave Filoni would have been giving the keys after what he did with Mandalorian and all well, that who's stuff. Who's to say he won't be given it later? Uh, but I I like this because I think. Sh- 
I don't hate the trilogy the way everyone, a lot of people seem to hate. We've that's another discussion for another time. But I think she's kind of re, she's kind of fixed her stance with Star Wars fans because of the Mandalorian, and the last season of Clone Wars, and I think she and all the great stuff that Star Wars has been doing. So I'm fine with this. I just wanted to talk touch on it because of the fact that we've talked about it a lot on here. Uh, what do you think, Leo? Uh, I like it. I'm, I'm wondering if maybe this was a direct response to everything that's going on with uh, with Kara. Um, if maybe they decided to stay the course and keep the leadership and just because, like, you know, we're in this murky place right now. Let's keep you in place. Kind of like what happened with Amazon and Jeff Bezos, where it's like mm-hmm. he was about to get out and then COVID hit. And it's like, all right, let's, gotta, let's weather this storm. And then when things are back to normal, then we'll do like a, a swap of power. Yep. So I'm wondering if maybe they're trying to just weather the storm that the Kara left over. Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, I'm with you, Dave. Uh, I enjoy the final trilogy. I don't know. I sometimes don't get all the hate that it gets. Um, and I'm down for this. And I can't wait to see what she does next. Jen, any thoughts? Or you're pretty much on board with her staying on? Yeah, I mean, I think people got to complain about something. So I think it's fine. I don't see. I think she's done a terrific job already. I don't see any issue with keeping her on and it's going to end up being one of those things. She'll be on for a few more years. And then like, you can't think that nobody else is getting groomed to take over this position. Cause that's false. That's not what happens with these CEOs. Like you always have someone that's going to be coming up and that is learning from the current leadership and that will eventually get the job. So, um, and do I think it'll be a guy? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I think it's Filoni. I, I think it'll hundred percent think guy. it's Filoni. I think she's in a unique position because she is one of the few because she she herself worked through Steve. the ranks yep. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. coming up. You know, she started as Steven Spielberg's assistant and she has built a career out of through Am- Amblin, Amblin, Amblin and yeah. uh, and then Lucasfilm. So, you know, so, yeah, so I'm fine with it. Yeah, actually, let me take that back. It may not be Filoni. It wouldn't shock me if it's Favreau. I was thinking Favreau too. I was like, I wonder how 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 he's doing in the pecking order of all this. So, but yeah, we'll see what happens with that. But good for Kathleen Kennedy. And time for Ryan. Actually, Ryan may still be interested in this part. We're getting a little bit of Oscar talk, and I know uh, uh, Leo. I got some stats for you, and I know you love stats. Uh, so, yes. I actually want to start off with Ryan's favorite award show, the Razzies. <laughs> so we had the Razzie nominations this week and I just want to, they, they don't have a lot of categories so I'm just going to touch on some of the, the best ones here worst picture we have Jenny's favorite movie of the year 365 days that is the Netflix is that the Netflix uh uh, sex film right it was like a Polish film I think um, I actually haven't seen it yet but it's supposed to be like the Polish um, Fifty Shades of Grey I yeah guess. To a degree. Absolute proof. I actually don't know what that is. It's really just for the sexy scenes because other than that, like the way he treats her is very demeaning and and yada yada. Very much like Fifty Shades of Grey. Okay. And then we also have... But then again, she gives her consent. So it's a little different. (laughs) I don't know. We have uh, Doolittle. Um, Not shocked. Have you guys seen that, uh, Ryan? It is the worst movie I've seen last year. Okay. Okay. We're on the same boat. It was my number four worst of the year. So yeah, we're we're on the same boat. Uh, Fantasy Island, my number two worst of the year. And it's funny because I think this could have had potential, but unfortunately, it's terrible. And Leo, you asked about this movie a few weeks ago. Yes, yes. Music. 
Um, worst actor, Robert Downey Jr. for Doolittle. Uh, Mike Lindell for Absolute Proof. Uh, Michael Marone for 365. Adam Sandler for Hubie Halloween. David Spade, The Wrong Missy. Um, worst actress, Anne Hathaway, The Last Thing You Wanted, and The Witches, Katie Holmes, Kate Hudson, Lauren Lapukas, and Anna Maria Saluka for 365. This one's interesting. Worst supporting actors, Glenn Close, Hillbilly Elegy. When she gets her Oscar nomination on tomorrow morning, she will become the first actress actor in about 45 years to receive a Razzie nomination and an Oscar nomination for the same role. I was about to ask, too, because I'm like, how is music getting nominated for some prestige awards, but also getting crapped on at the Razzies? Well, (laughs) because the Hollywood Foreign Press, but the Glenn Close thing is going to be crazy when she gets an Oscar nom. Um, And then the only other two things I wanted to touch on here were Kristen Wiig and Wonder Woman 1984, and then Wonder Woman 84 getting nominated for Worst Sequel. That's bullshit. I was waiting for that, Rye. <laughs> yeah, uh, Jen disagreed with it too. I I disagree with it also. I don't think the movie's great, but I don't think it's anywhere near a terrible movie. Uh, no. And Leo, what you did you see eighty four yet? Yeah, no. I, I mean, I thought I thought it was unfortunately forgettable, but it wasn't terrible. Like yeah. it wasn't a bad movie, and I don't even think Kristen Wiig was that bad. No, I'm like, I, I don't no. think so. I don't think so at all. Uh so yeah. Now Ryan, I think Ryan's gonna take a nap. Uh. <laughs> because we're going to talk Oscars. So I, I kind of want to start with uh, PGA. And PGA, the reason I'm going to talk about it, I'm just going to talk about the best pictures here, is because they vote for the movies the same way the Oscars do. So this is kind of the closest the closest thing we'll get to a um, uh, to what the Oscar 9, 8, 9, 10. Well, it's not going to be 10, but all right. Best picture. Judas and the Black Messiah, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Menk, Minari, Nomadland, One Night in Miami, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, The Trial of Chicago 7. Those are the nine that I think are the best picture lineup tomorrow. I think we're going to get eight of or nine. But the wild card, Borat subsequent movie film was nominated for best picture at PGA. I think it has a very good shot to make it. I don't think, and we'll find out how wrong I am, but I think it has a decent shot to make it. Leo, will you watch the movie if it makes the best picture lineup? Heck no. No. I'm, I'm still not watching it. I'm, I've, I'm done. I've watched, I watched most of what I want to see for, the, for this award season. Why, why do but, you hurt me? But I, I, I am going to ask, Dave, can you clarify again um, what's, I remember you mentioned the Oscars can go up to 10, but it doesn't necessarily need to be 10. Yes. What determines if it's a 10 movie year? Okay. So it statistically, it's close to impossible to get to 10 and it's close to impossible to get to five. So how the Oscar nominations work is let's say you have a whole bunch of movies and Jenny's a voter, you're a voter, I'm a voter. It all depends on the percentage of first place votes that gets a movie into best picture. So essentially, I think it's three percent of the Academy has to vote Borat as the number their number one movie of the year. If they do, it's the best picture nominee. The with the way the numbers are set up now, it's close it's literally impossible to get to ten and impossible to get to five. Next year everything changes because it's going to be a straight ten. Why I don't think Borat makes it, it's because it's 
I don't see these old white old voters putting Borat as number one. Gotcha. That's kind of the way PGA does a similar, so that's kind of why it's such a very interesting uh comparison. Uh, DGA now. I know this is... Now, ju- yeah, um, go ahead. Before we move on, what are the odds of, because out of the movies you listed, I've seen two of them, of One Night in Miami or Black Messiah winning? Zero. Damn it. There are, okay. three, there are three movies that can win Best Picture. Nomadland, Trial of Chicago 7, Promising Young Woman. Those are the only three I think can win Best Picture. Damn. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, next up is DGA. And uh, actually, no, I'll skip. I'll leave DGA for last because it's actually good news. And I want Jenny's thoughts on this. So I'll leave DGA for last. BAFTA, because BAFTA said fuck you to any Oscar pundit ever. <laughs> um, so they did some shit this week that I. I uh, what they do, David? Tell us. Well, they snubbed Carrie Mulligan, which is fucking. Wow, boring. that's interesting. She's one of them. She's British. She's British. She's their own. Yeah, I was going to say that she's <laughs> one of their own. This would be like the lock. <laughs> well, no, you, you but know, maybe because it's an American story. It's a Brit. No, it got nominated for best British film. <laughs> oh, so <laughs> I don't know then. Yeah, I, 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 I don't need. I, I haven't seen this list, so I'm actually really just going off the cuff here. Yeah. Oh, you haven't seen the nomination? No, oh, there was, I haven't. So, all I know is that you were like, so the, <laughs> all week. And then I was just like, all right, whatever. So to reveal what they did. So this year, because of everything that happened last year, that they didn't have any minority nominees, uh-huh. they created. Uh-huh. So they have their voting body who created a long list. Then after the long list, they for the acting categories and I think picture, they created a subcategory of 12 people to make the final choices. Okay. So this has zero bearing anymore. So did they I think. get any mi- minorities in there? Uh, yeah. Oh. But they also snubbed Viola Davis as well. Okay. Oh wow! 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 <laughs> it's it's I'm pulling I'm pulling the nominations up. So right? is it male minorities mainly? Uh, yeah, I think you are right. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. uh, they address they address one issue just to bring up the other issue. <laughs> well, I I'm gonna I'm uh, while I'm pulling up the article with the nominations. I did want to point out that Promising Young Woman had five nominations, right? It got okay. screenplay, picture, um, director. No, that's what I was saying. So the two that didn't get nominated were director, director and actor and actress. Okay, which was I I, I just have very big problems with it. Uh, I. For some reason, my article for the BAFTAs are not coming up, so I'm going to need Jenny to be our hero right now and get the BAFTA nominations while I continue to talk about the snubs. So they nominated this movie called Rocks, which is, I believe it's a British film I've never heard of. And that led nominations, but it still didn't get a Best Picture nomination. <laughs> they also snubbed another Brit, Sacha Baron Cohen. So Sacha Baron Cohen was snubbed in Supporting Actor for Trial of the Chicago 7. Yeah, and it's been, it's been pretty much like that's like a given. He's been nominated in a lot of awards for that, hasn't he? Yeah, and he hasn't missed. The yes, way Carrie, the way Carrie Mulligan hasn't missed, she hasn't missed either. I'm so confused. <laughs> then supporting actress, they snub, they snub Glenn Close. But I mean, listen, I'm happy about this. So Maria Bakalova's got in, and I think I, I, you know, I think she should win. But that's another story for the nominations that when, when we get there. Um, but there's just so much that they did that's so fucking odd this year. And I'm, I'm sitting there and 
I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I think they are officially not a precursor. So you know what? I mean, you can find the nominations on the site. I'm not going to go through all of them, but essentially they don't matter this year. And let me go through my final nomination predictions. I'm not going to go through every category. So I'm just going to go through some of the big boys. Ryan, are you still with us? I'm still here. Thank you. All right. Great. <laughs> um, so actually, Je- shout out to Jenny. She actually was able to get all the nominations for us. So I actually will run through uh, some of these here. Where are you? Use the second link. I just texted you. Here right we now. go. Nope. This is it. So Make it best picture for BAFTA. The Father, The Mauritanian, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Trial of Chicago 7. British film, Promising Young Woman, and The Mauritanian got in. They also nominated the same mod, which is fucking awesome. But then for director, the only one that's actually going to get in here is Lee Isaac Chun and Chloe Zhao. So um, screenplay, another round, Mank, Promising Young Woman, Rocks, Charlie Chicago 7. So essentially just a whole bunch of like clusterfuck. The biggest clusterfuck nomination was adapted screenplay. Did you guys see the net? I know you guys probably have not seen the movie, but there is another uh, Carrie Mulligan movie on Netflix called The Dig. Have you seen that just pop up on your feed, uh, Leo? No, actually, no. I, but I haven't really been on Netflix too frequently. The recently. movie is very beautiful, but it's boring as shit. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, so BAFTA nominations are all over the place. Now, before we get to the Oscar nominations, WGA did a thing this year. I mean, uh, uh, DGA did a thing this year. And Jenny will be happy about this. For the first time ever, they nominated two women. In their five. It's usually a boys club. Amazing. So thank you so much. How do you feel about that? I feel honored. That's it? That's all you got? I expected. That's all I got. I really hope that Jenny was going to give us one of her passionate speeches about like. No, they should. Look, it's simple. It's as simple as this. You should be recognizing excellent work. Mm-hmm. Um, it really shouldn't have to come down to being male or female. I do think there are a lot of female directors out there that, you know, regrettably, a lot of these studios aren't giving a lot of time to, or now they are because it's the cool thing to do when they should have been doing it before. And if you look at, you should look at other female directors' works and all of ranks they had to do. I mean, check out Ida Lupino, who used to work in the 50s and the 60s, and she was recognized more for being an actress than a director. But, like, you should be doing this normally. This should be something normal. So while it's a cool thing to do now, and thank you so much for the recognition and the honor of be, of picking two females to be in your category, um, you know, it's great, and let's see there. Let's see it get there to maybe one day. There's five females on that list that beat out the other guys. Can I ask you too, a question? That are deserving. Can I ask you a question, Jennifer? What's the question, David? I mean, I I know the answer because I kind of been following. You know how I, this is like my obsession. Is a woman winning? No. Okay, you're wrong there. A woman is winning. That's Chloe Zhao is winning. Directly. Oh well, okay, yes. Chloe All right. Zhao. Well, being okay. So if we're following the market right now, so had had it been before the Golden Globes and before the Stupid Critics Choice Awards, which I don't really like personally, but had it been before all of that, I would have told you, no, I don't necessarily think. I think it was probably going to go to another white guy, Aaron Sorkin, David, fin- David Fincher, or J- or okay, fine, David Fincher, yeah. right? So that's who, who I would told you. But now that they're also kind of doing the right thing too, right? And going in that direction. So Chloe got it. And then she got it for Critics' Choice. And 
I think she. I think. I think she. I have a feeling she'll pull in, and she'll get it. So if she wins, if she wins, um, DGA, I think she'll be the only the second woman to ever win DGA after, uh, woman and minority. And my newer, she's actually the first. Yeah. Well, to go through the nominees the first, real quick, yeah. all the nominees are Aaron Sorkin, David Fincher, Lee Isaac Chung, Erbil Fennell, and Chloe Zhao. And that's the Oscar five, I think. I think that's the nominee, the nominees for tomorrow. Uh, Regina King has a shot to slip in to make a three women, but I think it'll be. And it's not that I don't think that like Aaron Sorkin is deserving of winning because he does do good work. It's not that. I think it's just it's a very safe choice to go with that, too. And I think you should really you have to look at the for a director. You should look at the project as a whole, not just like one aspect, let's say. So I think that's really where sometimes like. The voters don't always go like they go through what's yeah. the easiest. Choice and I do think and I think people are making harder choices now or looking mm-hmm. at it through a different lens because they're like realizing, hey. We yeah, and I do. I do safe. think that the best directed film of the year is Mank, but that's just me. But um, Promising Young Woman would be my winner. But No Man Land is great. She directs the shit out of that film, and I. Well, right. You look at a movie like No Man Land, which is like a it grittier sh- film, yeah, it not, like more it sh- down to earth, like. I mean, she in uses, the weeds she uses people, real people, right? She uses with real people. people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. you look at a production that's more ho- old Hollywood, right? Like Mank that had to do all of this, like just even the costume designing is, is excellent. I think. And like all the in, intricate, interest, interest, how do you, I can't even say the word, I, well, I know what you but mean, anyway, yes. you know, so like all of these things. So it's not to say that one is per se deserving over the other, but I guess you have to look at what, I don't know. I guess look at what the landscape is. Yeah. Ryan, any thoughts on the DGA nominations? So kudos to the two women <laughs> that got nominated. Uh, I'll I, say this. Like on the women and all that, I do hope for the day that it just doesn't matter sex, I, I gender. Agree. It's just totally who agree. it is. And this is a perfect year that the women that are nominated do have two of the best movies of the year. Like Absolutely. Nomadland is... No Man Land is a movie that I, I knew was going to have be something I had to see, but I was very worried because the subject matter was very, very boring. But the movie is, Leo can attest to this, it just grabs you right away. And just seeing Frances McDormand just do her thing, because being Frances fucking McDormand is like a joy to see. She is so great. Um, but yeah, Oscar nominations. I'm not going to go through every single category because I'm not going to, I think we may lose Ryan if I do that. Um, (laughs) so i'm just gonna do some highlights on some stuff so documentary feature the only reason so right now um and leo you kind of been a part of the podcast for a few years so you kind of know how that the academy likes to snub the favorite so right now the favorite is time and i don't have it in because they're i don't think they're gonna you know i don't think they're gonna nominate it because they just don't like to nominate the favorite um so I actually have all in the fight for democracy because Stace, that's a Stacey Abrams. She's involved in this and everything she oh, did wow. this year for like all the elections. I think she's they're going to get it in just to have her at the award show, I think. Um, I have Dick Johnson is dead. Boy State, which is one of the best documentaries of the year. I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Um, it's essentially about a group of boys that go to this camp in Texas that's about the uh, with kids that want to be politicians and it's on apple uh apple tv plus it is excellent and there is a latino in the movie that just warms your heart 
and like you see that he comes from he doesn't come from that world that could because uh he is one of the only uh liberals in the camp because most of them are conservatives from texas right and you see the 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 yin and the yang the ideologies how they differ between his mindset and their mindset and it's very 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 good i definitely think you guys should watch that um the truffle hunters and the one that i wanted to talk about because i think ryan may actually like it it's called my octopus teacher it's a, what the fuck it's on <laughs> it's on netflix and it's pretty much a man that f- he, he doesn't fall in love with an octopus but it she kind of yeah he does it it sure feels like he does uh it's a very interesting documentary a real octopus it's a real octopus yes that he keeps like in his yes. house yeah and he falls in love with it. He doesn't per se fall in love with it, but you might as well have. Okay. Yeah, so it's on Netflix right now. Uh, but there's no, like, bestiality. Nothing like that. No, okay. no, no. It's not one of those things. You made things. it assume it'll seem uh, that way. Original school. And then you're like, Ryan would like this. Original. Yeah, yo. I'm, <laughs> so, I'm like, so glad you clarified. Ryan I was like, like, I'm like, where are you Ryan likes getting? weird stuff sometimes, right, Ryan? Ryan likes weird stuff. That is stuff. true. I mean, into weird shit. Exactly. <laughs> um, origi- another one I want to highlight, original score. Kinky Kelly and the sexy stud, man. Exactly. <laughs> original score, I do. I have Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross in there twice uh, for Soul and Mank. And John Batiste, he is also part of the, the team for Soul. I have Emil Mosseri for Minari, Lourdes Gorenson for Tenant, and the gross one of the grossest nominations is I have Thomas Newman for the little things. Gross. Uh makeup and hairstyling. I just want to throw out there that I have Birds of Prey getting in because it won the category like four years ago. So uh let's go. Shout out to I see I knew see I know where to get you, Ryan. I know where to get you. <laughs> uh visual effects. The only thing I want to highlight because I know Leo you'll have a comment and maybe Jen because she saw the movie too. I actually have Mank getting a visual effects nomination. Ooh. You don't think Tenant will get in there? Yeah, I have I have it winning. Okay. Uh, I just I just put Mank because a lot of people don't see uh, that as a movie with visual effects, but a lot of practical effects. They do the scene where they're at a uh, hearse house In when the they're walking with all the animals. That's all visual effects. Dave, I heard well, I heard about. Did he use real uh, animals? Not, not, I don't believe all of them were. No. Oh, good. Go. What'd you say, Leo? Yeah, I heard of a movie that's nominated for documentary. Welcome to check. Welcome to yeah. Check, yeah, yeah. I'm that, hearing they're like they're like changing like the game when it comes to like visual effects and I, how they use it. I have I haven't seen it yet, but I do have it in my five. I do have Welcome to Chechnya in my five. Nice. Okay, because cool, I heard yeah I heard that they, what they were doing is that they used like real people and they used CGI to change the faces of those people to protect their identities. Yeah. And look like other people. So it's like a really strange way of doing it, but like I heard it it looks fantastic. And the not and it's on Netflix, I think. So okay. Netflix or HBO. I do want to check it out though. I, I have to check it out because I assume it's gonna be a nominee as well. Um, film editing, it's the normal five. You know that the correlation with but best picture there at Chicago Seven, Mank, Sound of Metal, No Man Land, and Promising Young Woman. Um Costume design. I have Mank winning right now. Do you agree, Jennifer? Yeah, I that, would. That's why. Uh, and then let me see where else do I want to touch well, on? Yes. Actually, I may disagree. What about Ma Rainey's Rain- Black that's Bottom? That's my number two. That's my number two right isn't now. Isn't that um, it's a, Ruth, um, Ruth Carter? Yes. Yeah. And she's like. She's goddess over there. Yeah. She's like an Edith head. Yeah. For her thing, for her craft. That's so who I have. She win- usually wins. If it's not Mank, that's who I have yeah. winning. And the costumes, Leo, you're the only one that 
else that saw Ma Rainey's, right? The costumes are great, right? Oh, fantastic. Both, both of those are like so, they, they, they just feel so authentic. Like, I think that those two are like, they, they'd be my front runners too. Yep. Yeah, uh, I think anytime you have a period piece, yeah, that's why yeah. I have those two. It's very easy to like. And, the, and my third place is Emma. Yeah. Ah, yeah, that. yeah. Because it's that a, period, it's yeah. a period piece, and they love period pieces. All right, adapted screenplay, and then we're almost done, Ryan, I promise. Um, <laughs> it's all good. I have Nomadland. Leo, do you disagree? No, no. I, I, after you explain what uh, adapted screenplay is, yes, I, I think I'm good. <laughs> I have One Night in Miami. I have Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I have The Father, and I have Borat subsequent movie film getting an adaptive screenplay nomination. Any thoughts, Jennifer? That's not an original. Why would that be adapted? Because it's... Uh, Leo, do you want to answer? Yeah. You, Why would it be adapted, Leo? Leo? No, wait, Leo actually Leo, asked me the same question that is yesterday. literally what I asked. Because I'm like, I always, I always thought adapted screenplay means that there has to be like a source or a book that you're adapting into a screenplay mm-hmm. and then a, and a, like that. Yeah. So David, is that not so it? It's more than that. It Have is, they yeah. recently changed no, those rules? It's, no, it's always been this way. Go ahead, Leo. Okay, tell me, Leo. <laughs> tell me and the what? listeners. <laughs> and like in the layman's terms of doing it. Um, yeah, so I guess it has to do with just adapting characters of another source. So anytime you, t- you take any kind of characters, and in this case, Borat was part of the Ali G show. Right. Because they're taking that character from another source and just i guess the movie is a whole different entity it counts as adapted screenplay i think that's if i yeah. said it correctly the, so i think i mean i think the original origin was obviously like a book a play like mm. another like a radio show things like that so yeah okay so it makes sense that if it was a tv show and the and character the fir- was previously in a first iteration that it would go and in plus there. the first movie is also received an academy an adapted screenplay nomination Oh. Okay. So that's why I have it in here too, and it's been picking up so much steam. Okay. Original screenplay. I have uh, Minari. I need Jenny to watch Minari because I think she'd like it. Did you watch it, Leo? Yet? Oh yeah, dude. I, I think you would just it. watch it for the little kid. Isn't he? I. It's funny. That was I, the only thing. So that I, was the only good part of I sitting wanna, through like yeah. five hours of that Critics Choice Awards. I did want to talk <laughs> yeah, about that. I agree completely, Jenny. Totally was agree. The little kid. What is it? Alan Kim. Alan Chung. Alan Kim. Alan Kim. Alan Kim. It's funny because I actually so cute. I had said I'm like Jenny. Uh, Jenny had was coming in when he won when they were doing the <laughs> nominations. I'm like, oh my god, I hope Alan Kim wins because he is the cutest thing ever. And then he starts talking, and Jenny walks in, and she's like, oh my god. And then he starts crying. He starts crying. It was he so starts cute. crying. I'm like, oh, look, this kid's going to be a star. Yeah. So for original <laughs> yeah. screenplay, I have that. Judas and the Black Messiah, Mang, Trial of Chicago 7, and Promising Young Woman. And I do think Promising Young Woman is winning the Oscar. All right. We'll see. I know. Never go against Aaron Sorkin. But I think Promising Young Woman is the best screenplay of the year. Supporting actors. I have leo hurts me but i have amanda seyfried right now number five and i think she can miss yeah dude i think i think everything you've mentioned all the weeks prior to this and all the way she's missing other shows i'm like it does it breaks my heart i I can't understand why i thought she did amazing she's the best she's the best performance in the movie Mm. see i this is where i disagree i don't think she was like i know that you've been obsessed with her from the obsessed. beginning, I just think she's the best. No, the you've been obsessed. Like this is talking like Emma Stone, La La Land, obsessed with like Absolutely as a not. nomination. Absolutely here. not. No, but it's up there. So, I I watched Mank. I liked Mank. I did not think 
she was one of the best thing. I didn't think she did a bad job, but she didn't really stand out for me in the same way that like, I think, I don't know if it's, yeah. Like, I don't know if it's because David hyped it up very early on for me. So Mm -hmm. I was expecting something different, but I didn't think her performance was bad, but I didn't think it was anything other than that. Like her best scene is obviously like, at least for me, is when they're talking one on one. That's my that's my outside yeah, in like yeah. the garden front area, whatever. Like that is her key scene, and maybe she'll get the nomination for that. But other than that, and then maybe her coming, you know, popping up when they first meet there, and then popping up at the end, like in the car. She really didn't have enough screen time for me to really be like she needs a supporting nomination. Well, I don't know. Look at um, it just didn't... Margot Robbie nominated for like five seconds on screen time though. No, she got nominated for Bombshell. For Bombshell. Well, oh, actually, okay. yeah, that's true. But she had, like, a rape scene, right? Like, she was one of the uh, victims. Well, not good a point. rape scene, no, but she, she was one of the victims. Yeah. So it's it's a little different. No, but I think Leo was talking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, oh. Which she should have gotten nominated for that. She was really good in just that one scene when she was watching herself. But, yeah, to go through mm-hmm. the rest, Glenn Close, Olivia Coleman, Yoon, Yao Yujun for Minari, and then Maria Bakalova for... Is that the grandma or the wife? The grandmother. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, And then I think Maria Bakalova may be winning an Oscar, which would be wonderful because she's so fun in that. Uh, supporting actor, it's Daniel Kaluuya and everyone else. This is over. This is over. But I do have Jared Leto getting in. And I think. I Does think... that pain you? Does that pain you to say? Or will you say like, okay, no, this performance was legit. I think he's good in it. I just don't think. It's awards worthy. I think he's, I think Damn. he's actually really good in the little things. The movie's not that great, but I think Jared Little's really good in it. And he's an old, he's a former Oscar winner, all that fun stuff. So, and then actress, you kind of know where I'm going. Carrie Mulligan, Vanessa Kirby, Viola Davis, Francis McDormand, Andre Day, and then actor Chadwick Boseman, Anthony Hopkins, Riz Ahmed, Gary Oldman, Stephen Yoon. Direct- How mad would you be if Andre Day? Wins she's not winning the Oscar. the Oscar. She's not winning the Oscar. No. She's oh. Not- She's she not winning the Oscar. I'm throwing my fucking table if she wins the Oscar. <laughs> I'm there's no way she's winning the Oscar. Dave, you you started you started The Crown, right? Uh I only saw one episode, but I know Vanessa Kirby is in Yeah, in I was going to ask if you if you have any maybe any kind of like uh leanings towards Kirby now that you've seen Jenny um, can talk more on that. I love her as Princess Margaret. I think yes. I would have loved had they like kept like the original, like Claire Foy, mm-hmm. I really like. Like the younger, if they could have kept that going a little bit longer instead of just like the two seasons, but it's okay. But you know, whatever. So I really like her there. And then obviously, like she's very different when she's in that Hobbs and Shaw movie. Like it's a different role as a She's whole. a good actress. She's but, really good. Yeah. And I do, I do like her. Like I told you, Leo, I wouldn't watch all pieces of a woman. That first 25 minutes is what you need to know about Vanessa Kirby in this movie. Like she is. Okay. That scene is, yeah, it's tough. I don't want, like, Jenny was like, I should watch it. I'm like, no, you shouldn't. <laughs> should not watch Pieces of a Woman. Um, and Best Picture, Child of Chicago 7, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Minari, One Night in Miami, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Mank, Sound of Metal, Judas and the Black Messiah, and if we, and number 10, just because I want to include a 10th, was Borat. So I think any of those 10 will be our Best Picture nominees. And I think Solid. we are... I think we are getting eight if I had to pick. So, Ryan, you can join us again. Hey, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that wraps up all the talk here regarding the Oscars. We'll see what happens when the Oscar nominations go live tomorrow. Uh, 
Before we get into the birdcage, some of what we watch. Leo, do you have any highlights this week? Uh, yeah, pretty pretty slow for me. Um, I just uh, I finished watching Flight Attendant. Um, Kaylee Cuoco is incredible in it. Um, and she does a really great job of uh, of shifting her, I guess, her style from what we're familiar with for Big Bang Theory. Um, it's an awesome show, very different than what I expected. Um, and I'm kind of, and it feels like it's wrapping up for a season two too. So, um, definitely recommend it. I totally and, forgot. I was sorry to cut you off, Leo. Yeah. I wanted to get Jenny's thoughts because she's put me on to this person. Do you did you see the news about who Kelly Coco is playing? In yes, I did. And she's playing Doris Day in. I guess I don't know what what I think studio? it's a. Is it HBO? Yeah, or? I think it's oh, HBO. Oh, wow. Well, they're doing like a a movie. I guess it's like a biopic. It's based off of a series of interviews I read that Doris Day did like in the 80s. Because really, once she kind of retired from acting, she kind of was very much, you know, just living her life and doing her own thing. It. I don't – I'm not really against the casting. Um, I don't think that she she'll do a bad job. I guess I just don't want them to like. I love Doris Day and I love all her movies and and I grew up with her. Um, as much as like a Jimmy Stewart or anything like that. So for me, like, I almost just don't want them to even touch it. Um, but I think they'll get a lot of different things. You know, her relationship with Rock Hudson. Um, they were very good friends until his end. And um, you know, her advocacy for like animals and for and just being in Hollywood and all her stories. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, I don't think she'll do a terrible job. I kind of feel very indifferent. Like, I, I guess we'll just have to see. I don't know if I'll watch it or not because being a fan, but I'm not as angered as I am about Nicole Kidman playing Lucille Ball. So yeah. So, right. so we'll see. We'll, we'll give it a that's shot. Flipping that's flipping tables. <laughs> that's flipping tables. That's flipping tables. That's I'm not watching it at all. Sure. So Aaron Sorkin. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. You know, I like Aaron Sorkin. Yes. I like The West Wing. I've watched Newsroom. Like, it's Leo. It's, have you seen The not, West Wing? It's just, no, it's not, no, Lucille no West Ball. Wing and no Newsroom. It's <laughs> Lucille Ball and like Nicole Kidman should not have been cast. I don't necessarily think Deborah Messing per se in this serious role would have been the ideal for Lucille Ball either. But I just feel like you know, and I understand the argument that they went back because I don't even think I was on this episode when you guys talked about it, but. I, I get it that, like, her daughter and her son, you know, their kids, like, they gave the rights and they, they've read the script and they're comfortable with the story. And they're saying, you know, this isn't about – this isn't Lucy Ricardo and Ricky Ricardo. This is Lucille Ball and this is Desi Arnaz. Like, this is who they're portraying and this is a week during filming and this is where it takes place. And you're really getting a hands-on in their marriage and all their thing. But you know what? You want to know more about that? Read their books. They have biographies, they have books, they have their stories to tell. I just feel like I don't know. I, I just I just don't know where it's going to go. And I almost feel like, you know, they had a 20 year love affair and it wasn't always good. And I just feel like you're they're dead now and you're kind of just bringing up more dirt, like more shit. And I OK, their kids like allowed it but i don't know i don't know i'm just i'm not fu- i'm not fucking watching Jenny, movie. jenny's going on that's, a tangent that's it i'm just not uh, watching it what else you got <laughs> leo speaking of uh of uh i guess of um oh my gosh of sorry Nicole Kidman. <laughs> i made you throw it <laughs> no right speaking i threw you off Kidman, i ended up i ended up starting the undoing um on on hbo max uh and that is incredible um hugh grant nicole kidman um 
fantastic story, Dave. I think you, I think you would, I think you would enjoy this. Um, it's only six episodes. Um, I'm on episode four, so I'm almost done with it. And it has to do with uh, pretty much an unsolved murder, and then you try to figure out who did it. But um, really powerful work. I kind of, I, I, I see where Jenny's coming from on her on her strong tangent rant. Because <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, I understand how you feel about these about these people, right? And how how and I, I don't think I've ever seen Nicole Kidman do anything Lucy-like. So, I mean, maybe she's like, it's like if you're just doing it based on the looks, okay, she's a redhead, but that's about it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, well, I mean, it's, uh, well, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, no, either, but she was really good in The Undoing. So if you want to watch The Undoing, yeah, go for it. Nice. Anything else? Uh, and I started kind of like watching some uh, some little trailers and stuff about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is debuting this yeah, week. Yeah, I've heard the first episode is really good. Yeah, yeah, and I'm and I'm, I think all all of us will enjoy the fact that I, I'm hearing that the episodes are about forty to fifty minutes, oh, um, okay, which is way more than what we had for Wandavision, and um and also something I didn't know that I just I completely missed the the guy that's playing the um, that uh fake Captain America right the yeah. um his, it's played by Wyatt Russell, um and I'm like okay that's a, yeah I, I don't do know you know who character. he is. Yeah, I didn't know who he was until like, I, uh, David, maybe like about 10 minutes ago. Do you uh, know who Wyatt Russell is? Leo's going to tell us. It's Kurt Russell's son. Oh, my God. Really? Oh, really? Yo. Goldie Hawn. Oh, my yeah. God. That's, that's cool. That's cool. I like that. Um, and 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 Ryan, what do you got? Um, Not much. Uh, I'm up to the homecoming in my Marvel rewatch. And I have to say the one thing that bothers me in this rewatch because I'm watching it in order he breaks the accords and no one says shit because he's, no, he's a teenager you, what what does he do to break the accords he's being a superhero and you're not supposed to be a superhero unless the government sends you you mean like the the footage that tony has like of him like, being a kid or you mean like like as like spider-man suit he legit in the spider suit it try he's like does superhero things in front of the fbi and no one stop and like the can, fbi don't try to take him for breaking a, the accords can I have a counter What's the, up? the accords are only for the Avengers, and he wasn't an Avenger yet. I thought it was for any superhuman. I, See, I just you were talking about Homecoming, right? Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Isn't it? But he has to check in with Happy, and I'm guessing Happy's like the direct line into the government. So I'm, I'm guessing this is all sanctioned. I don't think he's breaking the okay. law. I think he's going by like, yeah, because officially, if he's doing all the superheroing and he's checking into Happy, and Happy works with Tony, Tony would be like the one that has to like report to the government, like, okay, it's official. I, I sent them. It's cool. Okay, good point. And the other thing I would like to highlight is the South Park vaccine special was hilarious. So oh, yeah, I, I want to watch that too. I saw it on my queue. I definitely have to watch it. It was good. It was real good. Alrighty, and then for me, I had the Kid Ninety documentary. So that is a documentary uh, directed by Soleil Moonfry. She plays Punky Brewster. Yeah. And it's very. It's only an hour long. She was also on Sabrina the Teenage Witch. And Say by the Bell. She was on Say by the Bell? When? Yeah. She was, uh, remember? Like one episode. Yeah, the episode where <laughs> Screech makes a spaghetti sauce, and he has, like, the 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 rich girl that wants to date. She plays the rich yeah, girl yeah, on yeah. it. Oh, wow. Yeah, stuck you're up right. One. Yeah, the stuck-up <laughs> one, yeah. So the documentary is very, very interesting because it's pretty much her filming footage from the 90s of her just filming a lot of stuff. Like, her hanging out with actors, like, drinking with actors, smoking, all that fun stuff. And we have a baby Leo 
appearance. Mm-hmm. Oh shoot! Yeah, and, but there is it does get dark. Um, I I don't I don't specifically know if she dated Jonathan Brandis, but he's in it a lot. And then she talks about like there was a lot of is she there's a lot of um, answering machines from him to her, and you can kind of tell he was not you know. He was struggling, he was asking for help, and she talks about how she wished she could be there for a lot of people. And like it, it touches on like all the people she lost that committed suicide throughout the nineties and stuff like that. Oh, wow. And like her life could have been different. Gone when watching the documentary, you kind of see where her life could have been. But yeah, Mark Paul Gossler is on it. Um Leo is not on it, but you do see clips of Leo at an amusement park. And him <laughs> has he has a scene at the end, not a scene, but like a clip at the end where he's talking about like getting a deeper voice and like being like two years older than he was before it's very funny just seeing leo being normal not worrying about a camera in front of you i would imagine she had to have gotten a release on some of this like the rights from these people to to show the footage probably it's nothing that you're not they're not doing anything wrong in it right but still it's still like a part of them yeah that's that true age. and like some of these actors also have have become more private like it's funny like not exactly the same thing because i'm sure he wasn't in this documentary but i read an article yesterday about eric von detten and you know him from brink escape to witch mountain um he was in the princess diaries and he ended up not too long after giving up a career because it was just so he said you know auditioning for all these roles like being an actor wasn't consistent and he needed he knew that he needed to provide like for his family and for all this so he ended up going into finance and it's like 20 something years since he's last acted and he's like i would be up for something like if someone has a role and they want to bring me back to something i'll i'd be willing to do it but right now i'm focused on my family and being a consistent provider and and all that and it's just interesting to see like the different routes that that he took um that some kid stars take yeah, and then David Arquette was on it too, and talks about like his drug issues and like how he could have died from like if he started if he was doing as much drugs as some of other people were doing, he probably would have died, and he's like fully aware of that. Another thing that he that she talks about that was very interesting was um she suffered from your Jen you're gonna have to help me out here giant giantomastia. Uh huh. Big boobs. Yeah. So like, when she was like sixteen, she was like already an E cup. Mm-hmm. So yeah. she had surgery to reduce to reduce because like, and very Me Too moment. She would be on. She would only be getting cast in adult roles, and they were very, mm-hmm. you know. Or people would probably go up to her and make comments about her boobs, no. or like staring at her well, boobs, yeah, they, or like, oh wow, you've really matured. No, and, there's a, no, there's another term. You nailed it. So she would get on set. Yeah, I know I nailed it. I've lived it. Yeah, so what she... Do, what do you think? She was on set and they used to say, oh, you've grown up. Yeah, no one can see me. And if you're not really looking at photos of me online, I have big boobs. And so I grew up with people always making comments about my boobs or, like, things like that. You know, I remember specifically in grammar school, like, the boys took, like, a measuring tape and they put it across the doorway and when the girls were coming back from recess, they did it so that they could measure the girls' boobs. So as you're walking into the doorway, they like went around you. I feel like that would probably be a David move in grammar school. Really? Maybe. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, that would not be a David well, move. But anyway. Savages. So, right? 
they used to do that, like that kind of shit, like that boy kind of shit. Quote, so like, quote, I'm not boys surprised. Boys, yeah. yeah, yeah. So but, like, not surprised. Yeah. So she talks about how like she had to get the reduction to just live a normal life as a kid. So uh, that's very interesting. It's very interesting for an hour documentary you get a lot in there and then the other thing i wanted to touch on i started finally started the alan v farrow documentary on hbo max because the last part is today man <laughs> um i it's really hard to say i still like annie hall but i do but man there's a lot of stuff on there that is not it's not endearing to woody i already knew his stuff but there's a lot of stuff in the documentary that's very like man this guy's a pig like an absolute terrible human being so highly recommend the documentary it's on hbo max the last episode will be today and we don't have wandavision to talk about this week guys oh i know isn't there a documentary i didn't see behind it yet. the scenes no i didn't see it did you guys check it out the documentary yet no yeah it's on disney plus so uh so yeah that brings us to the birdcage and an hour in guys we 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 did a lot of news today so <laughs> i want to actually start off with you know first experience watching the movie but i'm going to start off with ryan because he this is the first time he's seen it so yeah ryan take it away oh wow it's an interesting movie it was ahead of its time for sure um I'll be honest, I like the movie itself. I didn't laugh that much, so oh as a comedy... God, Ryan, what the fuck? What? <laughs> it's so funny. I don't know. I'm not going to put it as my top comedies. I'm not going to lie. But it was a good story, and I was intrigued the entire time. Oh, my God, I feel Ryan. Like I'm talking to David about comedies Thank right now. Thank you. <laughs> I feel like it's me talking to myself about rom-coms. You're, you, you broke my heart. You broke my heart. Uh, Leo, what about you? First experience watching The Birdcage. Yeah. So it's funny. My, my first experience isn't as, as funny or as uplifting. It actually is a little bit more serious. Uh, it was back when the movie had originally came out on VHS. And like all my buddies were talking about it. This is about, like, what, 1997, I think, maybe? And I rented it, right? I went to like my local Hollywood video uh, to rent it. And I was watching it. And my dad ends up walking in. And it was one of those scenes with Armand, and he's like, what are you watching? And if anyone knows, like, like Latino cultures, especially like when we were younger, are very, very male-dominant, anti, and very homophobic. My dad saw what I was watching. He's like, this is like, you're watching gay people? He's like, what is this? He's like, and he took the video, and he, he, uh, he took it off, and he returned it back to the video store. He was so upset with me for watching this. I was watching it because I watched, it was a funny movie, but it, I realized like kind of what David said. I mean, what Ryan said, it was ahead of its time. Like this subject matter back then was a lot more taboo than it is now. Um, and then years later, I finally got to see the movie. I finally got to see all the memorable quotes and all the fantastic performances. But this actually caused some drama back in the the Grimaldi household back in the late nineties. Interesting, Jenny. I actually don't really remember the first time I saw it. I think it was, again, one of those movies that was, like, on HBO when I had a legal cable. And it was, like, I just came across it. Um, so, like, the first, first time, I feel like that was probably my first. That was that tended to be my first experience with a lot of movies was that I was never really, other than, like, certain movies that had maybe, like, sex or, like, naked parts, I guess. I wasn't really censored by my parents so much um and if i had a question i could just ask them and they were very open so it was very different um and i think it's 
it's also one of those movies you first watch. You don't understand all the jokes right away, depending on the age that you see it. But then later on, like as you get older and you watch it more and more, you understand it more and more. And so I always really liked it. Um, it's funny. I saw the birdcage first, but then when I was uh, in high school, I took French class. And we actually saw the movie that it's based off of in I, during my French class. Can I do it? Oh, no. Wow. Uh, La Cage à Faux. La Cage à Faux. No, that's not how you say it, David. La Cage à Faux. And so, and it, it translates to like the crazy, like mad cage of women or something like that. But um, La Cage à Faux. And it's actually very, uh, the birdcage does do a lot of the same like jokes and tropes that, the original did. I think the original movie was 1978, and that was based off of a, a play. Yep. I think in 1973. So, um, so it was interesting because when I saw, you know, you're you're learning and you're learning French in French class, and then watching the movie. So you know, you're trying to follow a French movie, and then you know, being that I had the Birdcage before, you could kind of play along with it. So it kind of helped. It was helpful that way. Yeah. So for me, it was. Uh... I think junior or senior year, I saw it on TNT. And uh, oh. right away, like for me, Nathan Lane, like right away. Oh, as yeah. soon as I saw it, it was the first scene I saw in the movie. It's one of those movies that I actually didn't see from the beginning. The first time it was uh, the toast scene. That's the first scene that I saw. And Nathan Lane, that's it. That's all I needed. And I was hooked after that. And it's it's gotten better for me every single time I watch it. And it's actually one of my top ten favorite comedies. It is hilarious for me sorry ryan sorry uh um, they'll have different takes yeah so in terms of the production let's get into it not much to say here but the film is a remake like jenny said of the 1978 Le that's not how you say it david um i like david's take keep it th- going david. Th- no, thank you ryan thank you <laughs> while there are no real stories regarding the production of the film like other movies we've talked about before it was an outlier to films of the time like leo you kind of nailed the story nailed it with your story in the context of the mid-90s hollywood the film was also a radical outlier that held particular significance for the lgbtq community uh dr matthew jones uh reader in cinema audiences and reception uh he he put it this way it helped an audience traumatized by a decade of living day to day with a threat of disease and death to laugh again as the age crisis was it's at it at it unfortunate heights during that time do you guys agree with that leo absolutely I, yeah i think it's, and we go over the list of what's aged well and what's aged poorly yeah i totally agree with this yes jen agree yeah yeah and ryan i assume you agree too Yep. Great. So the movie was released on March 8th, 1996, a budget of $31 million. I was actually surprised. It made $185.3 million. Wow. For a comedy that is fantastic. Uh, Trophy Room. This movie was nominated for only one Academy Award. What was it? Best Production Design. Okay. Nathan Lane was fucking snubbed for Supporting Actor. He should have won Supporting Actor. Um, at the Golden Globes, he was nominated for Best Actor, Motion Picture Comedy, and he lost, which is ridiculous. Um, yeah, I hate it. It was nominated also for uh, WGA for Best Screenplay, but did not get the Oscar nomination. What beat him? Uh, at the Globes, you got me here. I do not remember. I'd have to look it up. Uh, 
so you're going to have to Wikipedia that. Uh, whoever, <laughs> whoever beat him should not have beat him. Let's just put it that way. Uh, I don't even know who it was, but no. Uh, all right. Exactly. Age, age best. So I think this entire movie is wonderful. And I think there's so many things out of age best here. Uh, the dinner scene. I think that's one of the best dinner scenes in any movie ever. Any disagreements there? Except Ryan, it probably would disagree with me. Leo, do you agree there? You're talking when they meet the parents. Like at that the end, scene? yeah, the whole dinner scene at the end, yeah. Yeah, I loved it, yeah. <laughs> uh, the toast scene. With, oh, yes! Like, it, it's so hilarious. It made the... <laughs> What toast scene? You pierced the toast. Oh, the toast. Yeah, yeah. I keep thinking that David is saying toe, like T-O-E. No, and I'm like, where were their toes in this movie? No, the toast. Toast, How yeah. hilarious is that scene, though? Oh, he's teaching him how to be a man. How to be a man, yeah. Like, like, well, you're a man, so you can get another slice of bread, another slice of toast. I'm like, you're right. I can get um, more toast. Agador Spartacus doing anything in this movie. But I think him cooking dinner and cleaning stand out for me as like extremely hilarious. And just Nathan Lane and Robin Williams, like everything they do is hilarious in this entire movie. Uh, Leah, what do you got? Uh, for Age Fest, it's uh, I have the the Miami the depiction of Miami of the Miami club scene. Like that's it, this movie is like mid like late nineties and still like in twenty twenty one. This is pretty accurate. Yeah, it <laughs> um, is. The, the show of, like, love to the LGBTQ community. Yes, love that. I think that's, again, like, this was not normal, not common back then. So, like, this movie can still be watched today. It's, like, and it's, and it's seen with affection. Um, I put this because I just remember the line so fondly, the Guatemalanes of, uh, of Agador Spartacus. Yes. Uh, um, the whole fighting between, like, family and morality versus gay rights. That's a debate that still had to today. Um another line that stood out to me was the when he's showing um when he's showing the, nathan lane like what he wants to do as a dance where he's like you can do fussy 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 you do martha graham martha graham martha graham martha graham or twyla or twyla or twyla and i remember that i didn't know what fussy 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 meant but now years later like with all the things that have come out of fussy i'm like oh okay this makes more sense now um and the thing i was going to mention about aging poorly and best that you kind of hit on that's interesting is it's it's straight, some straight people here playing gay characters, right? And I think now we've entered this world of like debate on whether or not that's cool. Like, if it's a gay role, it should be a gay actor. And I think that's something that's representation and opportunities. And it's, it's a debate that's really hotly contested. Yeah. Um, but this movie did it in a very sincere, genuinely beautiful way where it wasn't meant to be any kind of like malice. So, like, even Hank Azaria as Agador in today's age could have been seen as disrespectful but when they were doing it back in the mid in the late 90s it was not disrespectful it was generally like to, to be like like an homage to what to what that community was looking for but uh but yeah i think anything agador spartacus on on set same thing as david said is amazing ryan what do you got lgbtq main characters and the whole fuck the senators line and lane and williams all together jennifer um, so I think the movie overall, it was your first peek at this like gay family, right? You had a loving gay couple who had been together for like 20 years. They provided a home for their son. I think that showing in the 90s cinema um, was so important. That was 1996. So that I felt like that was just a modern family before 
yeah. a modern family of today and what marriage, you know, especially when marriage equality back then was still um, a dream for a lot of people. Um, age the best for me um, as a dancer, like growing up as a dancer. I didn't know who Bob Fosse was and Martha Graham and Twilight. So like that whole scene was like hilarious on stage. And he's just like, this is a huge eclectic celebration of dance. The only one there that's a little questionable at the end is Madonna, but Madonna had was rising in the nineties. So that's, that's very timely. Um, Miami beach. I agree. Leo still looks exactly like that. Like if you, are going out on ocean drive you're or to like mangoes cafe like you're gonna go and you're gonna party and and all that um i think drag shows have still aged the best and for anyone that hasn't done it i highly recommend a drag brunch bottomless mimosas and drag queens um for me i think albert's dramatics just hilarious <laughs> i think nathan lane was really at his peak here like his this was like one of his best roles and i think he really um brought it um the whole cast i think overall this movie has a really good casting you know sometimes you have movies where like you have like three people that are like the best out of the whole cast but like i feel like everyone that they got robin williams nathan lane gene hackman diane weiss christine baranski like you had everyone calista flockhart before she was a thing she was like 32 she was 31 playing 18 yeah um before she was Alec McBeal. you know dan futterman who went on to do a few other things and like you had a really good cast mm-hmm. um the naked Greek boys on the plates scene yes, is I forgot about yes. that one. <laughs> hilarious. Um, the same green wallpaper in the club as he's going up the stairs. It's the exact same wallpaper as Blanche's bedroom in the Golden Girls. Is it really? Yeah, pretty oh, much. Wow. If you look at it, it's like that big like plant um, palm tree yeah. kind of motif. Um, I think it hasn't necessarily aged the best, but we still have it today. It's concerted conservative politicians with backwards views oh. <laughs> so um and then just the fact when you're watching this movie and re-watching the chemistry between nathan lane and robin williams the way they played off of each other they were able to ad-lib a lot of the stuff that they did together um i think just just works you know i think um the movie as a whole is just really progressive in its message and um yeah great it's just it's just great Great. Did so, they do anything else together? I don't uh, think so. I don't know. I don't think so. I'd have to look up. Yeah, but... I would have to double check, but I don't think so. Uh, Jenny, if you want. Oh, and then my last thing is Agador's dance to uh, Gloria Stefan's uh, <laughs> conga while he's cleaning is like yeah. the best because I too listen to Gloria Stefan sometimes while cleaning, um, but I don't look as good as Agador does. Funny, that scene reminded me of you and uh, both of Jenny and, uh, and you, Dave, when I was rewatching the movie. Because like he's like, I'm like Ricky and Lucy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, age worse. Uh, so we all talked about like the, the certain positive values that the movie has. But there is one thing that did rub me the wrong way is that Val Goodman asking his father to uh, to cover up his sexuality. Mm-hmm. Like pretty much hide the fact that he's gay. And I mean. It is with the times at that, so I get why they did it, but that aged badly. Uh, Kevin Keeley being an open bigot. Well, to be fair, he he wanted them to cover up with the parents because his fiance knew about. Oh them. yeah, yeah, you're so right. So it point, was really just because he loved this girl so much, and so it wasn't right of him to ask. Mm-hmm. But they also loved him 
Good point. So much that they were willing to do that and close themselves off. Yep. Just to, to meet the parents and deal with that in the time being. And then I, w- I did have it in age worse, but Jenny kind of nailed it in age best conservative views. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it didn't really age best because we shouldn't have that. But like it's still it's to still today prevalent. Yeah, where it's you still have prevalent. conservative politicians with backwards views. Leo, but... what do you got? Yeah. I mean, you guys hit it on the head. Uh, yeah. The conservative and liberal fights. I think that that's like something that's that's still going. So it's like. Unfortunately, like Jenny said, it's still there, so it's not hasn't really aged well or badly. It just aged. Um, I think there was one thing too, like that one line. It was a, kind of like a bit of a throwaway line, but I don't think it aged too too well. Was when they were talking about um, Keeley's partner and that he was caught with a dead prostitute, um, and they mentioned that she's an underage black whore. Um, and I think that just just I guess the fact that this was made made as a it was a joke kind of thing, but it does make an, uh, it's, it's an allusion to like underage sex trafficking. Like so that line may not have, may not fly that much today. Right. Um, I think the concept of hiding your sexuality, I think today's society is a little bit more, more free to be able to do so. So maybe they're, they're not quite understanding how difficult it was for people back then. Um, but overall, honestly, I think that the movie, it, it's, it's tough. I can't find too many things that didn't age too, too well. Ryan, what do you got? Picking food off the floor and the boss not saying anything in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> not uh, the Native American spot. They like where they have like the white women in Native American dress uh, or people. Uh, you're not a woman because that wouldn't fly nowadays. The animal killing joke and the use of a green card as leverage. Oh my god! <laughs> what do you got, Jen? Uh, that was good, Ryan. I I had recently rewatched that scene, and so, but that's that's really funny. Um, so, age worse. The loose wig at the family dinner, like when they all get up to like be like, you gotta go to the bathroom. Because first of all, a real drag queen would never have that wig would be on there tight. Um, so. Yeah, and then uh, John Wayne. John Wayne does not age oh, well. Oh yeah, John Wayne does um, not age. John well at Wayne all. is problematic in itself. You know what's funny? I want to, especially wanna... after his after it resurfaced that 1971 interview with Playboy, where he derogatory views against I I am shocked Native with... Americans and films with gay characters. Yep. I am shocked with Dr. Seuss getting canceled and. Pepe Le Pew getting canceled. Well, John Wayne has been canceled. To some oh, he's form. been canceled already. Yeah, to some form of degree. He, I think there was like a UCLA exhibit or something oh, in I his didn't honor, know. and they actually ended up moving it out of the okay. school okay. to a different section to be more, um, you know, yeah. John Wayne as the I I understand why they did it in the movie because yes, at the time, right, like that John Wayne, that male machismo was like mm-hmm. this, like mm-hmm. that was your your guy, right, back then, but um. It does not age very well. Um, I would also agree, David, with like Val asking his parents to hide in order to be accepted by um, his fiance's family. So that doesn't age very well. Um, but, you know, in the end, they were all willing to do it for him. And I think he came to the realization that, like, you know, he should have never asked them to and hide. And he does at the end, yeah. And he does. Yeah. So I think that gives him that redeeming quality. 
Um, and then, um, yeah. It, right? And I actually have a question. Do you think this movie would have been made today still? Like, maybe it wasn't in 1986. Like, do you think this movie would have been made today? Would it be as good? Or would it be like they wouldn't have wanted to make it for fear of offending somebody? Oh, yeah. No, it wouldn't be made because of that. They'd, yeah. be, they'd be fearful of offending someone. And there's no... I don't. Or they would have made it, but maybe they would have cast, right? Like, all gay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who would you actors? have recast if it was made today? Ooh, that's a good question. I didn't expect you to have a follow-up to my well, question. I so I Robin Williams <laughs> would have been one of the ones that has to be recast, yeah, right? Nathan yeah. Lane, but Nathan, Nathan Lane was too gay. old. But... Well, right, he's too old now. So if we're thinking of somebody like more recent, I guess. Um... I would have said oh. Matthew Bomber, but he's... Could you do Cheyenne Jackson? Who's that? Cheyenne Jackson. He's yeah. from American Horror Story. Oh, yes, yes. And Bomer is a really good call out too, Dave. Yeah, he's too, pr- he's too pretty though. He's too pretty. Yeah, it doesn't thinking, matter. You yeah. can still be pretty. Okay, then we'll go Matthew Bomber. There you go. But um, who else? Oh, what's the actor or actress? Right, I'm sorry. I apologize. Uh, from that started with Orange is the New Black. Um, Ruby. Yeah, 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 no, yeah, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's another one. But no, actually, I was talking more about the. Um, I think she's trans. Oh, Laverne Cox. Laverne Cox. Thank you. Yes. So that would have been, and then, um, what's his name? Billy from Pose. And then you can add Billy, yeah. Oh, yeah. yes, no, yep. He would have been the Nathan Lane character. What's his last Billy name Porter. Billy oh, Porter. Oh, Billy Porter. Yeah, that yeah. would have been, like, that would have been great. Looking? That would have been great. Yeah, okay. Uh, so. But it still wouldn't be, I don't think it will ever get remade again. Oh, no, no, I don't know that necessarily it will be. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a movie that, right, like you're not, you're likely not going to touch it again. Um, hopefully, hopefully you don't touch it again. But... <laughs> Um, or if not, like come up with an original story. I don't know. Alrighty, so let's get into the categories. Uh, that guy award, the Joe Spinell award. I went with Dan Futterman, who plays Val Goodman. While he did write the script for Capote and got an Oscar nomination for it, but as an actor, this is kind of like what I know him for. Jen, who do you have? Um, so it was Dan Futterman, because everyone else I know from other things. Yeah. Oh, Leo, so yeah, what are you... you stole my Capote. Sorry. Leo, actually, what do you got? Just because of the timing of when it came out, uh, I actually put Hank Azaria. I, I, I knew him first as – wait, isn't that the guy from Birdcage? Yeah, because I actually didn't I, – and I know Blasphemous. I don't know – I didn't know he was on Simpsons. Yeah, yeah like the, the voice-wise, yeah, voice yeah, I was like, oh. Then later on you kind of realize, oh, wait, he's on other stuff. What do you got, Roy? Uh, since this is my first time, I really didn't have anything. All right, great. Uh, Deadlift Shrimp Six Man of the Film Award. All right, so I I, I cheated here because I love I love cheating in this category. So obviously I have Hank Arzelia as Agador Spartacus, but I had <laughs> Diane Weiss because her timing is actually really good in this movie. Okay. Nope. Jenny gave me the look. I'm not sure if she approves. No, it's not that I don't approve. What do you I, got? I actually put Robin Williams. Oh no, he's co- supporting. He's co MVP. Spoiler. I, thought, I love that, Jenny. I, Jenny, I love that. I thought it, about co MVP, but I was like, you gotta have MVP is most valuable player. Fine. You gotta then, have one. Then Robert Williams will be so in here too. So I felt like you couldn't like you. My well, I'll spoil it now. My MVP is Nathan well, Lane. Same for me. So like, easy, I feel easy. like you couldn't. You could have Nathan Lane alone. But like Robin Williams and the way he played it mm-hmm. much more like less flashy and more serious, but he was still gay. He was still this partner like who would calm down Nathan Lane's character like, you know, 
you couldn't have like they played off of each other so well but i felt like the star was nathan lane like you couldn't mm-hmm. you yeah. couldn't have robin williams was the supporting player for him leah what do you got yeah, I agree completely. For six man, I stuck with like the classic Hank Azaria, Agador Spartacus. Anytime he's on screen, so he's he just so steals funny. it. He steals everything. He chews up scenery. It is incredible. Right. I love it so much. Right, what do you got? Uh, I went with Nathan Lane. What? what? You are not going to say Robin Williams is the best part of this movie. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I have, No, I cheated and I have co and I'm not changing it. You have what? I have... I have uh, split MVPs, and I'm not changing. I have repeats. Okay, okay. All right, and then, um, like I said, Becky O'Shea, Icebox, MVP of the film. Nathan Lane. I mean, it's one of the best performances of the 90s. It's Literally. one of the best comedic performances of all time, and it's probably in my top 20 favorite performances of all time. Uh, Jenny, Nathan Lane. Nathan Lane, I think this was really, like, one of his breakthroughs. I mean, before this, I really knew Nathan Lane. Before this this particular movie obviously other things now but before this movie i knew him from um one of my favorite movies as a kid life with mikey with michael I'm, j fox I love life with mikey. and i think it's also on disney plus now hbo right? max oh it's hbo max okay well somebody's got it so watch it it's, it's a really good movie i just really again another one of these movies that was always on tv and i used to watch all the time and he's a very different character he's a serious like straight guy in this character in that movie in life with mikey so the the difference here and he did that before this so um but yeah i think this is like one of his breakthrough performances yeah. and and he got to use a lot of his different strengths and yeah and, and then jenny convinced me i'm moving robin williams to six man because nathan lane deserves this on his own uh nathan lane for you leo yeah i mean it's it's, it's tough it's tough to upstage Robin Williams, yep. right? especially during like, this time. Yeah, exactly. Like this is Robin Williams, like top tier work, and Nathan Lane somehow just takes it to a whole new level. Uh, but yeah, I, I kind of kept him alone on this. He he deserves this. Like I would watch just Nathan Lane as Albert Goodman, Goldman, over and over again. And you split, right, right? Yeah, I split because I think they feed off each other magnificently. So, like, yeah. So you're so right there. Uh, I w- I forgot to add. I don't know why it, this is like a staple of '90s film for me and age best or age worst. Robin Williams chest hair. Forgot to add that. <laughs> I forgot to add that. I, man, that chest hair. Who had it worse, guys? Andy Garcia in The Godfather or Robin Williams here in the Birdcage? Andy cage? Garcia. Andy Garcia was like Garcia. a bear. Yeah. <laughs> At least Robin Williams has a dangling gold chain. That gold chain is money. Absolutely. In the middle. All So, uh, last one. There's, Peaks. there's one more award you're not you haven't said. Peaks and Valley. No, there's no crying in baseball award. We didn't cry here. Did you cry? No, I didn't cry. But I wanted to point out a very touching scene. Go ahead. So when they're sitting on the bus stop, I think it's a bus stop or on the pier or mm. whatever, and they talk about you know he talks about you know the whole movie's funny, but then this gets really more serious, and I think it's something important to say. You know, he's like, "This is the palimony agreement," and he's like, um, "If something happens to us, we're both protected." And you know, there's only one um, place in the world I call home, and it's because you're there. And so I think that's uh, such a sweet. great yeah. scene, um, and it obviously shows a testament to their twenty-something year relationship and and everything they've built, despite like Nathan Albert thinking like he's always cheating on him or he's got someone else or he's too old and he's this and like whatever like you you know that armand is 
true to him and, and all that. And he just wants to give him that security like anybody would want, like that security and that safety net. Yeah, that's a good one. I wasn't going to, I didn't bring You're it welcome. up. To, yeah. And I will <laughs> say none of us have talked about her, but Christine Baranski is actually really funny. Oh, the yeah. Little, she the, is. the little amount of mm-hmm. time that she has. Uh, and then Peaks and Valley, uh, for Peak, I went, um, I actually was going to go with Gene Hackman because after this, he only had the Royal Tenenbaums and he kind of. And really, Heartbreakers. That's not a good movie. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a horrible movie. <laughs> Royal Tenenbaums is the last good Heartbreakers movie. Heartbreakers is Sigourney Weaver. That doesn't mean Sigourney Weaver is all or not all of her movies are good. It's not a horrible movie. No, but yeah, I went. I Gene Hackman. All after this, all he had was the Royal Tenenbaums, and then he finished off uh, eight years later in two thousand four with uh, Welcome to Mooseport with Ray Romano, and that movie's terrible. So, uh, who do you have for peak, Jennifer? I put Dan Futterman because, like, I've seen him in a lot more TV, mm-hmm. and he's done a lot more TV, but then he's done a lot more screenwriting. Um, behind the scenes and obviously like you mentioned before with Capote so um, I think he kind of peaked like this was one of his first movies and he kind of didn't do too many movies later on mm-hmm. I think he was in the movie enough with Jennifer Lopez also trash um, I think he was the friend that like she goes to at one point but anyway what do you got Leo yeah I agree with Jenny I picked uh, I picked Dan Futterman because I mean like think about it this way he was in a movie with Nathan Lane, Calista yeah. Flockhart, Good like point. Robin Williams, like all these heavy hitters, and then no one knows who Dan Futterman is as an actor. Um, yeah, so I, I picked him. Rye, what do you got? Yeah, I picked him too because uh, everyone else, I'm like, who the hell is this guy? All right, <laughs> all right Valley. Uh, it's a little morbid because he's no longer with us, but it's Robin Williams. I mean, he literally won the Oscar the next year. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's Robin Williams. Yep, Robin Williams. Yeah. Uh, alrighty, birdcage facts. This is actually hard as shit to get because there, for some reason, there's not a lot of information on the movie. But I did find some some doozies here. Number one, Mike Nichols required that Nathan Lane and Robin Williams filmed at least one good take of each scene, sticking to the script before he would allow them to ad lib. <laughs> this sounds like the perfect thing to add to like a movie with these two actors. Right? You would need this. And I guarantee you, I mean, I'd love to see like a documentary on the birdcage because I bet you most of the takes that were used were the improvised ones. The ad-lib ones. Yeah. Absolutely. Totally agree. Number two, Paul Thomas Anderson, uh, director of great movies like The Master and There Will Be Blood. Uh, Jenny, one of Jenny's favorites, The Master, one of Ryan's favorites, There Will Be Blood. Uh, calls the birdcage one of the most rewatchable films of all time and a movie that without fail or question will make you stop dead in your tracks and watch to the very end. I actually agree to that because that's exactly how it got me to watch it the first time. Yeah. Uh, number three, I want this is a casting what if because I love these things for, for these uh, when we do our, our recaps of these movies. Robin Williams was originally cast as Albert. Whoa. Mm. But he wanted to change from a, he wanted to change from from playing flamboyant characters and asked to be cast as Armand, and then Mike Nichols agreed and recast him. Do you think he could have done it, or do you think he would have been a little bit over the top? Uh, I think he could have done it, but I I I'd rather him not. I, I think he made the right decision. Agreed. Uh, number four, director Mike Nichols had to be covered by a sound blanket during the toe scene because he was laughing too hard. <laughs> the toe scene. The toast scene. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I keep thinking of toes. Like I don't understand. 
All right, the next one is definitely Jenny comes back with a weird toe kink. What the no. hell? Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> she's not as weird. Not as weird as you, Ryan. Apparently, to date. <laughs> yes. oh, yeah, you're right. You're, you're into octopus, I guess now. <laughs> so on, the thir- on his number five, on his thirtieth birthday, Hank Azaria worked on Heat, the Al Pacino movie with Robert De Niro, where Al Pacino lets everyone know that she's got a great ass and you got your head all the way up it any excuse <laughs> i find it i find it impressive that you thank somehow you. found a way to thank tie you. the birdcage into that thank you i appreciate it uh but there is a fact here so after he filmed on heat till 6 a.m he went to uh he headed to film this movie and when mike nichols found out he actually gave him the day off he sent him home <laughs> Uh, number six, while Nathan Lane, like his character in the film, is openly gay, and this kind of goes to what Jenny was talking about life with Mikey, he actually had not come out at the time of the film's release. Uh, next up. Interesting. Another casting what if, what if. Armand, Gold. guess who else was uh, thought of to play? Um... Me, me, me. Go ahead. I almost mentioned it before, but I figured it was coming up. Go Steve Martin. That would not have worked. Yeah. I mean, I love Steve Martin, but I don't think it would have been as good. What do you think, uh, Leo? Yeah, I agree. I, I think I think that may have bordered on, like, maybe this movie not being taken as fondly as it is now. <laughs> agreed. Ryan, agreed? Agreed. All right. And then um, Diane Keaton was actually the first choice to play Louise Keeley, but she, because of her role was... Uh, in Father of the Bride 1 and 2, she decided to decline the role. This one, da- David Allen Greer was originally cast to play the butler. So I, Azaria told the AV Club that expanding his role in the birdcage was Rob, Rob, Robin Williams' idea. And um, I don't think David Allen Greer would have worked. No. no. He was a little bit much more... Like, he was an over-actor. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Uh, this is interesting. Adelaide Spartacus was actually partially based on Judy Garland's dresser. Oh, shoot. Yeah, Azaria couldn't figure out how to play a scene where Adelaide had to uh, calm an anxious Albert down before a show, and Nichols gave him the instruction, uh, your character is partially based on Judy Garland's dresser. Judy would panic before every performance, and her dresser would panic with her, and he would panic more than her, so she'd have to be the one to tell him to calm down. That's cool. Yeah. Number 11. More Mike Nichols stuff. Not only did he have to get a blanket placed on him during portions of the filming, he had to be removed completely from from the room and be put in another room because he was laughing too hard during uh during uh sh- shots. Uh next up during the toast schemer. Oh no, I mentioned that one already. Number thirteen, Hank Azaria released shortly into filming that he uh actually based the voice of Agatha Spargus on his grandmother. Aww. <laughs> Uh, Robin Williams, you guys, none of you guys touched on this, but Robin Williams fall during the kitchen scene was not planned. And when he slipped, you can see Hank Azaria hold back a bit of laughter. Last, <laughs> last three with $18.3 million. The film had the highest opening gro- grossing weekend for an openly gay lead character. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Until 2009. And I do not want to name that movie. Name it. Bruno. Bruno? Yeah. That movie's terrible. Uh, 
Last two, Mike Nichols had to cast study footage of drag queen performances prior to the filming. And finally, Nathan Lane based his drag look for Mrs. Goldman off former First Lady Barbara Bush. Mm, there was a that. lot of like, there's a lot of like call outs to like presidents and like ex former presidents' names. I'm like, damn, this movie like really ruffled some feathers back then. Oh yeah. So yeah, that wraps it up. This was a great discussion, guys. Uh, great to welcome Jenny back for one week only. Uh, <laughs> next week we will be back with the roundtable as we look at our top 10 director's cuts. Oh, see, yeah, I won't be back next week. See you yeah. at the movies, kids. I'll see you soon, guys.